Welcome to the UK Scriptwriters Podcast. It's me, Danny Stack. And me, Tim Clay. And we're coming to you live from Red Planet Pictures HQ with the living legend himself, hey. Tony Jordan. Hi, boys. Oh, <laughs> hi, Tony. Good to see you again. Uh, we're obviously really excited to come and have a chat to you today, but let me tell you why you're a legend to me, which is maybe not the same reason for other people. All right. but you're one of the... This is slightly worrying. <laughs> nah, this is good. This is good. Well, or is it? You can disagree. But why you're an inspiration to me is you're one of the few UK, anyway, writer-producers. Yeah. And so one of the things that I wanted to speak to you about, more so than your writing and your, you know, your career and so on, is, is, is about how it's been taking control of your own destiny or is it has it been a burden is it a joy is it everything what's it like you know moving into owning red planet rather than just being a writer for hire before you answer let's give anybody who's unaware of tony uh, just a quick oh, summary of come who on he everyone is. just Tony. anybody who doesn't realize who he is <laughs> and i'm old now i forget yeah. really easily <laughs> all right so let's remind you remind tony who he is tony uh, started off with the extenders and was head writer for extenders for a good number of years you probably wrote about 250 episodes in the end uh, i think no or idea. more Sorry. and has since set up red planet productions and pictures pictures and Burdens, yeah red planet pictures as a, <laughs> writer a and producer <laughs> Has been producing Death in Paradise, BBTV series, amongst other things, with the new Dickensian that's on BBC. Yep, on right now. Um, and so, yeah, and also Red Planet um, Prize competition for yep. new screenwriters, which has been going since 2007. And I think if we rewind the clock to 2007, when I first met you, I think it was, that's when you were setting up by yourself. And it was just you and maybe Gary, your assistant, and possibly Simon. And now, yeah, we're, we now we're sitting in a lovely no, office. It's a proper place, everyone. It's a big old gaff. So what's, you know... It's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a monster now. It's, um, look, I just, I was, uh, you know, my experience of writing was the same as every other writer in this country, which is you, you sit on your own mostly, um, apart from when you grab your man bag and go and do some pitch meetings to be disappointed. Um, you... <laughs> eventually get something off or you get a gig and you write a script you give it to someone um, and then that's it you never really see nothing happens it's then silence I always thought it always felt like there was a big machine somewhere where you put a script in one end and like and a DVD came out of the other so it was literally that I didn't know anything and I wouldn't quite see it with uh, with other people on television you do get a DVD before it goes out but that was it and a couple of times I'd say, well, could I come and see some filming? Yeah, of course you can. We love that. That's great. Please, we'd be really proud, pleased if you came in. So I'd go, oh, right, okay, they need, that's basically, they need me. They can't do this without <laughs> me. So I would go down to set and, you know, I, I'd go to, they wouldn't tell me where it was properly. I'd be in the wrong place. When I got there, I'd have a third AD or someone saying, sorry, who are you? I'd say, I'm, I'm the writer. Oh, right, what do you, are you here for a meeting? No, I'm not here for a meeting. I'm just... We're shooting my show. I just thought maybe I should come and have a look or something. And it's like, oh, fine. We'll just stand over there. Um, you know, don't tread on those cables. It's kind of you know, it's all a bit. You don't really belong. A UK writer doesn't belong on a on a UK television set. So I went from that. So I was always kind of a bit frustrated by that because sometimes you get the right producer, right director, and they make your stuff better. And I'd watch the DVD and go, wow, that's way better than I wrote. 
Um, that's quite a rare thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, more often than not, you know, you kind of just see bits. And, oh no, you missed the point, or you didn't do that, or shit. And and now I'm in a place where um, if I'm there when when my script is discussed. I'm there. And that never used to happen. They were having meetings about my script without me being there. So you'd have a producer, director, executive producer, all in a room, talking about what my script was, what it was supposed to do, what the character meant, what all that. They were having all that without me. Um, and so now that doesn't happen. Now I'm in the room. Um, but did you? Was it a daunting thing though? Because as you know, you you started that story with like as you know, as you listeners know, kind of thing. I was mooching around town and all this kind of stuff. So everyone will be in tune with what you're saying, but not everyone has the balls to actually do something about it and start their own, you know, their own company up to 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 take more ownership. Was that a daunting thing for you, or was it almost you got to the point where look? I've got to do it. It's get you know. I want to do. Well, this not really. Move. I mean, you got to, you know. Got to understand. I didn't you know. I didn't start Red Planet Pictures to, to fix that problem. I didn't do it to fix the problem that I wanted to be more involved. That's not the case. Okay. So I think it's a question of it's a question of degrees, really. I think what I'd say is, as a writer, um, you don't need to start your own production company. In fact, it's impractical for every writer that wants to to be in control of their stuff. Um, you don't have to, to, to start a production company to be in control you just be in control it's your script so you say I want to be at that meeting and right. if, you, if you've got the time say I want to be on set every day um, and when I'm there I need space to work and just assert yourself a bit more not less less yeah, of the good. oh you know I'm really sorry mm. would it be alright if not mm. would it fucking be alright mm. with mm. I will, I'll be there on Monday you know and are you having a well, when's casting can I go to the casting can I go and sit in um, and I think we need to do that more as writers. Um, I've just got back from LA, where obviously, where showrunners um, kind of run television out there, yeah. and they are the one thing that showrunners all have in common is they're also writers. That's the whole idea. Yeah. Um, and so I think that you know we have to do it ourselves. No one's going to give us anything. No one's going to give writers that extra access or responsibility or inclusion. You have to take it. Uh, I was going to say, what I'm, what I'm really fascinated by, and inspired by, actually, is the fact, you know, that you've set up this production company and you've got all these amazing shows on the go, and yet you're still writing away like a demon as well. And I'm just like, how does he, how does he manage? Yeah, you just said you were in L.A. this week, but you, you're writing marquee shows for the BBC, like amazing things like last year, The Ark, and the, you know, the Nativity, how amazing was that, and things like that. Um, so it's like, how do you, how do you juggle it? <laughs> is what I'm asking. You're like the Agatha Christie of the TV world. She's just, like she was just nonstop. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't know. This, I, do you know what? I don't. I wish I knew. I have no idea. I sat here this morning. I'm um, just kind of uh, just trying to work out what my year is looking like so far, and I realised that I've got 11 scripts due. I've got delivery date for 11 scripts. And it's like, that's impossible. I can't mm. do that. There's no way. And I'm looking at the delivery dates, and there's no way I can make that happen. There's no way I can do it. Um, but you know what? That's an added bonus of, of having your own independent production company. <laughs> and as much as, you know, you, people don't shout quite as loud as when you're, you know, uh, when you're late with your scripts. It's tough. Um, but it, in the final analysis, I'm a writer. That's what mm -hmm. I do. And if I didn't have Red Planet, I'd be a writer. And if I didn't have a job... 
if no one wanted to pay me I'd still be writing that's just kind of in my blood it's what I do mm. so it's my it's, you know so I'm, I think you've answered this question I was going to ask Antonio if you had to give one half up so if you had to just be a writer or just a producer for some magical reason yeah. <laughs> um, you'd choose to continue to write rather than just to produce and let other people write yeah of course because that, that's what I am that's I'm a writer I'm, right. a, I'm a writer with his own production company as opposed to a producer who writes who writes a bit who writes a bit you know Um, and we are you know we everybody uh, there's a proud boast in the independent production community you know we're a writer led company it's like no you're not I am (laughs) I I am literally I am am a writer led company Um, because you know if you come in and see us as a writer and you sit down with me uh, two good two brilliant things happen one is that you, you, uh, the meetings are great because you know I feel your pain. Mm. You know that I know what you're talking about, and you know, um, you know, you can't leave this building and say, "Bloody producers, what do they know?" You mm. can't say that with me because I, yes, I do. Because mm. mm. when you leave here, I will be doing what you do. I get it. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, you can't bullshit me. Mm. You can't tell me that your dog ate the yeah, first yeah. draft. You know the scams. <laughs> I know. You know you can't tell, I mean, you know, I've, I was the man who discovered that, um, that just by reformatting in final draft, you, they had stretch and screen up. <laughs> you could turn a, you could turn a forty-two page script into a fifty-eight page script just by hitting the button. Um, so I've been there and I've done that. So um, so we genuinely are right led. But am I right in thinking as well that you've gone into writing quite late? Yeah, I was like 33, I think. Um, uh, yeah, look, it's, um, it's, it's stood me in good stead, really, because I'd had a bit of a life before I started writing, so, and that always helped, you know. And I, I, I love new writers. I love writers that, that are starting out. I love all kinds of writers. Um, but uh, I have writers come to see me, and, you know, and they're like 19. And I think, man, I'll, you know, we'll give you a shot. I want to... You know, I want to help you in that, but fuck, what are you going to write about? I don't yeah. know. It's kind of, you know, but then when you think, so that's an easy response, but then I think, well, do you know what? I don't know what it's like to be a 19-year-old now. Yeah, this I know, is it, I know it's like to be a 19-year-old in the 70s, but I don't know about it now. So, you know, you, there is something you can write about. So, um, yeah. But when you were breaking in as well, there isn't the kind of writing culture or community that there is now. So I think you were probably coming from it to it from a more instinctive level in terms of I've got something to say and I want to write and yet I you probably didn't even know what formatting a script was even then nobody did um, or what kind of years are we talking about I think I started I got my first gig on EastEnders um, which I think was January 1990 oh wow so that was my first paid writing job so that's what's that 25 mm-hmm. 25 years ago so um no, there's always been a writers' community, but it's been slightly different. You know, we're kind of there's an argument saying we're more connected now because of social media and things like this. Mm, yeah. So that um, you know that happens. Um, but the one thing that I found that's been constant throughout the years is that writers have a have a, 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 a just a, a sense of each other, and writers have a um, a camaraderie, and we feel like we're all part of something in a way that I think no other part of the industry does. I don't think... You, mm. you never see producers hanging out together and, you know, and having a good moan or yeah, and yeah, a good yeah. point and yeah, yeah, yeah. thinking about it. I don't really see directors doing that. I don't see editors doing that. Mm. You see actors doing it occasionally, mm. maybe. But I think yeah. from on this side of the camera, I think, you know, writers are the ones that are continually reaching out to each other and, and trying to either 
either support each other or screw each other over, whatever. But we're all in there trying to do our thing. And, and we kind of do it, you know, we all do it together. And, um, and there's something cool in that. I like being part of that fraternity, really. What you've, you, you embody pretty much more than most people that I know, a sort of a love of television. So, um, whereas, um, you know, a lot of other writers, especially these days, there's, there's other things that you can write for with a similar narrative structure, like kind of obviously films, but comics as well, or games or whatever. But you've always had that passion for TV. Where, where's that come from, Tony? Why are you such an advocate of television? Uh, I don't know, really. I guess I grew up watching telly as a kid. Um, I, I also grew up watching films. I... Um, I don't know. I, lo- I love the um, I love the, the the nature of television is that maybe it's less now, but it used to be a shared experience. Mm. So I love you know high, heyday in, of EastEnders. We were regularly getting kind of twenty five million mm. people watching a single episode overnight. And you you know you say, there used to be a thing like everybody's talking about EastEnders, and do you know what they really were because when twenty five million people are watching your show. You get in, in a cab the next day or on a bus or sit in a cafe or wherever you go, people are talking about what happened last night. I remember doing kind of Sharon Gate, you know, when kind of Phil walks into the no. Queen Vic and... When it was recorded. Yeah, and puts a tape yeah. on the thing, on the machine. Um, I went out, you know, and that went out. And I went out the next day and it's like, wow, everybody was... And I, that's cool. That is pretty cool. I don't know if you get that in film unless you've written Star Wars. I mean, I don't know whether... Yeah, yeah. It would, you never get that common kind of bond between people. So I've always loved television, I think, I think for that reason. But also, it's, um, it's quick. I've got mates who are kind of movie writers, and, um, God, it's, you know, the hit rate is really low, yeah. so you're just writing a lot of scripts, mm. never seen anything made. Um, and then when something gets greenlit and you're done, you know, kind of, OK, well, let's start, and then four years later you see your film. Um, I couldn't wait that long. I love seeing my stuff. I love something about going from a piece of paper to it coming to life, and you get that radio and television. You know, you get that immediately. So uh, I love that. But Dickens, something like Dickensian, must be a must be a long slog. That must have been churning away for a long time, or was it not? Or was, was it, it almost not? you had an well, idea the, and you did it? And the it genius of it, it, it's a genius idea, isn't it? Really, and Dickensian was the, almost the first East Ender in terms of serialized stories, yep. wasn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, did, how talk us through the brainchild of Dickensian then and, and developing it? And... I don't know, really. I don't know what... It's kind of one of those things where... You, I don't know. You know, you have an idea. Mm. I don't know when I had the idea. I had an idea. Um, and I, well, no, you might know, Tony. You might have said, I had this idea 20 years ago and I've, uh, been, yeah, yeah. I've been carrying it around with me. No, it was, yeah, no, it was on the true. toilet a couple yeah. of years ago. No, no, okay, no. I, yeah, right. whatever. I was in, a, I was in a, my fourth Bacardi or something. <laughs> and, um, and I was... Uh, and it was just mulling about. just mm. thinking, And I did a bit of research because I was sure someone must have done it because mm. it, it's a bit of a no-brainer, really, isn't it? Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought someone's done this. And I scared the net and I looked around and I thought, nobody's done this. This is mental. Um, and then I had um, uh, I was doing Hustle then and oh, yeah. I was at a dinner at the end of shoot for a series of Hustle and I was sitting next to Polly Hill who was um, a commissioner for BBC One and she said um, you know what you're doing now what you're doing uh, what you're doing next and what you're doing blah, blah, blah. and I was talking through the scripts I was writing and stuff and she said oh what's coming up um, I said oh, I've just had this weird idea I think and um, it's a bit weird and a bit bonkers um, and uh, so I'm going to try and do some work on that probably this this winter. 
and she said, "What's oh, what is it? And I said, well, it's not for you. Obviously, it's not a BBC One show. I said, what do you mean it's not a BBC One show? I said, well, it's, it's a bit big, and if I, if, I, if I managed to do it, it'd be huge. So I don't think you'd have the money or the will or the, you know, for the scale of it. So probably take, that's probably a Sky show. I don't know, HBO? I don't know, whatever it is. Um, and she got young. She said, how dare you? How very dare you? Um, she said, that's exactly the kind of show BBC One should be doing. We should be ambitious. We shouldn't do things at scale. So I said, okay, all right. So I pitched it, um, and she loved the idea. And uh, but I didn't have anything to show her then mm. it was all in my head so she said let me see it first so I went away and uh, sketched it together um, and that probably means half a dozen pages this is kind of roughly the idea gave it to her, she commissioned a script wrote the first script uh, storyline of the first 20 episodes um, and then it got green lit and that all happened quite quick in the grand scheme of things yeah because um, that's a lot of it's a, a lot of episodes I mean when I first heard about it I thought it was going to be six parter <laughs> yeah <laughs> or something you know that's enough surely you know but uh, to really go for it like, like you did yeah. did you spend a long time kind of story charting it out and bits of string like a kind of crazed serial killer on the wall you know with that's exactly and, that's yeah. exactly yeah, that, yeah. I am, um, yeah, I am, um, I am the serial killer of, yeah. of returning drama. Thought so, thought so. Um, so, yeah, that's exactly how you do it, really. And look, I, I just think that you have to push, as a writer, you have to push things. Sometimes you're going to succeed, sometimes you're going to fail. Mm. But you have to do things differently. You can't just be derivative of what everybody else has done before you. You must just keep, you know, and call it what you like. Call it thinking in the box, out the box, on top of the box, under the box. Give it whatever cliche you want to give it. You can you can be in the envelope, out there, whatever you want to be. But you must try and make your own space and try and look at the kind of things in a different way. And every time I've tried to do that, um, there's always been a show that I've proud of. I've been proud of. So it's, you know, and whether that's just and it doesn't matter how you start that process. Um, you know, Life on Mars started by me talking to a production company and them saying, "What do you want to do next?" And I said, mm. "Well, I've no idea, but why don't you let me get a couple of." other writers a couple of mates and let's go and sit in a room for three days and see what happens mm, mm. and so because of that um, and I asked Matthew Graham and Nashi Farrow to come to Blackpool with me and that's what we did and Life on Mars came out of that um, we could have done Dickensian as a as a as a kind of um, as a six part on a Sunday night mm. and we chose not to we chose to do it 20 half hours and I stuck to my guns when people mm. were saying look this is really difficult can't we do it a different way I said no because I want to try and do something different mm. hustle was like that you know I was struggling with hustle when I went through because there was so much to do there was so much exposition in there and it's like oh god I don't want to do this so I thought you know what I'm just going to freeze frame and have the cast explain the plot mm. and that's what I did yeah, and yeah. so you need and Red Planet's exactly that it's like well, what are you going to do well I'm going to start a production company I'm going to be a writer led production company and uh, and I'm going to set it up like this and we're a family here, you know, we are, it's an amazing place. Um, so you just need to just keep mixing it up because the more you you just keep doing the same old thing, you don't ever grow either as a person or, or more importantly, as a writer. Did I say more importantly as a writer? Or as a writer, <laughs> or more importantly, a, a person, a human being. 
take whichever whichever what, way whichever, whichever floats your is, boat this is an if interactive a, a good writer listeners. Or, a, or a good person <laughs> you've got a great uh, can't be both <laughs> can't be both you have to be one or the other so make your choice throw the dice oh dear you've got a great track record though on what you're talking about because going back to say something like Moving Wallpaper and Echo Beach yeah, move more. It's the same, and again, mm. and I wait. Had to wait. Um, you know, move more. Paper was a was the was a sitcom set behind the scenes of a soap. All right, we've all seen that. We've all seen episodes. We've all uh, mm. obviously this was before episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've seen uh, Thirty Rock. Mm. Move more. Paper was before Thirty Rock. Mm. So we've seen that. Right. What made it my show was the fact that I said, okay, well, let's do that. Let's go behind the scenes of a soap opera called Echo Beach. Um, okay, now let's make Echo Beach. And so we made the soap as well. So it's you know it's kind of Martin McCutcheon, and yeah, Jason yeah. Donovan, and Johnny Briggs, and it was kind of you know it was a soap. So you could watch thirty minutes of behind the scenes of a soap, but then you got to watch soap as well. No one and the people had tried to talk me. It was ahead that. of its time. I can't. Yeah. Well, it was ahead of its time, behind its time. Yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. But I tell you what, no one had done it before. No, and no one's done it since. <laughs> but at least you know, it's like I was here. It's like I was here. I did. I came and I did this mm. thing. This is this is my thing. Um, it's uh, and it was different. And I'll settle for different. You know, it was I, transmedia, wasn't it? Before transmedia, yeah, really before, became yeah, yeah, that's right. And yeah, if I'd been doing right. it now, it would have been a much bigger kind yeah. of. There would have been a huge social media element. There would have yeah. been this. There would have been yeah. interactive you know, in all those ways. So uh, maybe that's a reason for doing it again. I don't know. Maybe but also something. probably worth pointing out is that you had that idea for a while because I remember reading the script for it in the nineties when yeah. I was at Channel Four, um, and similarly with Life on Mars, which I know you've said previously in other interviews and stuff that it took about seven eight years to get off the life on mars was seven years of um i think everybody had forgotten about it but i just kept bringing it out every mm. you know every possible opportunity um you know trying to sell it trying to sell it trying to sell it um john york uh, who's obviously a good mate kind of moved to the right jobs at the right time so that really helped uh, but yeah it was seven years mm. moving more paper was like 11 years um, and I could have done it and the, the, you know, the real secret is and kind of the proof's in the pudding I could have made that show um, uh, eight years earlier six years earlier four years earlier if I'd have only done what people wanted me to do which is either do right, one or the right, other right, right. or merge them together to make one 45 minute or 60 mm. minute show or do it differently do it in the way we've done things before so yeah. we know they work yeah and that's why some of my stuff doesn't work. Some of my stuff doesn't, and I accept that. But yeah. that's one of, you know, that's what happens when you're trying to be innovative. Mm. If you're trying to do things differently, sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and so you just have to, you know, you kind of got to go with that. How do you find, do you enjoy the editing process and the producing part of the job as well? Because, you know, it's great to have those ideas, get the script out and so on, but almost like the last draft of the script is the edit is the old cliche term do you enjoy getting involved in that part of it do you kind of just almost uh, you've got such a good team you let them get on with that pretty much or do you kind of get in there get your hands dirty a little bit in that process Um, a bit of everything I mean I learned the one thing I learned really early days of Red Planet is that if you surround this isn't a cliche this is really this is true and if you ever if anyone's in the same position do this before you do anything else if you surround yourself with really good people that you love and trust and, and I mean love and trust um, and hopefully that's reciprocated they will all and they're good people they will always make you look better than you are always and if you create the right, right atmosphere for them to work and you work in a sense of you know you know, I, um, we don't micromanage at Red Planet 
we hire good people and let them do their thing. So, um, so that's not what this whole process is about for me. It's not about me stamping my authority on every stage of the process. That's not what it's about. It's about me controlling the people that I bring together and then me sitting back in awe watching them do their thing. Mm. Do I have an, uh, an opinion in the edit suite? Of course I do. Do I have an opinion in it? Uh, when other, pe- other writers' scripts come in, do I give notes? Of course I do, because, because we're making the same show. Mm. So we've all got an opinion. Um, and I'm not stupid. My opinion matters quite a lot because I'm CEO of Red Planet Pictures. I've written a script. <laughs> and I'm executive producer. Yeah. So my voice matters, but so does everyone else's. And that's the key, you know? And I know other showrunners that... Um, and these are the showrunners, by the way, that I criticise. And, and I get stick for. I see them sometimes. And they say, you always fucking have a go. And it's like... And they're the showrunners who say, OK, let's get in some other writers and let them all write a first draft, right? And then fuck them off out of it. And I'll come in with... I'll put on my floppy velvet hat and my cape. <laughs> And I'll come and sprinkle my stardust on it, genius that I am, right? So so those showrunners, I've always said, go fuck yourself, because you're not, you know, that's not running a show, mm. that's just feeding your own ego. I've rewritten other people's scripts, right? And I will do that again tomorrow. If that needs to be done for the, for the sake of the show, if the writer's lost the will to live, mm. if the writer's lazy or doesn't want to do the work anymore, if the writer's saying, look, this is brilliant, I don't get it, I, you're stupid... It's like I will work if you if you're willing to work and get the script right, I will I will sit with you twenty four hours a day. Seven, I'll take you away for the weekend. We'll go line by line. If you want to do the work, I will help you get through that process. If you give up on me, I'll rewrite the script if I need to do it. And because I have that ethos, I don't do it very often. Mm. So I, I maybe rewrite. If you think of all the output of Red Planet Pictures, I've maybe rewritten two scripts this year, and the two scripts that I've rewritten, the writers have walked. Because they feel that they've come to the end of the process. Right, yeah, yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. Then I'm, I'm, as, as yeah, they've got no more to give. If you've got well, no more to give and, yeah. you don't, you don't, and you don't know what to do, mm-hmm. and I and in those cases, well, so one of them actually did more, they just said, look, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, look, here's a, here's a chance. If you want me, because I think I know what, what needs to be done, and mm-hmm. we've been through this process and you don't seem to get it. Why don't I do a pass, right? And then you come back to it and you take over the script again and move on from that point. Mm. And that's what they've done. And that works really well. And mm. sometimes if they're a new writer, you just need, you mm. don't know. Mm. It kind of really helps. That's different to the default position is, I think I had that on Family Fairs at one point. There was a thing about that where you were hired as writers coming and write first draft and then they'd fix it in house. It's like, wow, you don't do that to writers. Mm. Um, that's a bad thing. So I think there is a dip. I forgot what the question was. I went off on a rant. Well, but, yeah. just well, I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back to your own writing, Tony. I mean, having seen so much uh, from start to finish in terms of production, have you felt an influence over the years in terms of back to your own writing? When you sit down and you're staring at the blank sheet of paper, you know if you write something in a certain way, or, or not even as a cheat, but just like this is going to be better for production. Has any any tips or like that kind of? Yeah, no, it's tough, but don't do that. You know, it's tough. I have to stop myself doing that because, yes, of course, you do. It's human nature to think. You know, I'm um, because I'm aware of. um, You know, I get script. I I get well. Look, the process is: I get an idea, I write script, I sell it, it's greenlit. I've now got to make it. But first of all, I've got to raise the money for it. So it's like uh, because I'm the producer, so I have to Mm. go out. You know, I don't get all the money from the broadcast. They have mm. to go out and pitch it, and I'm, 
that's you know, I'm in LA this week pitching shows mm. that I need mm. extra more money for. Mm. So I'm raising the money. So, so of course, when I'm writing, sitting down to write episode two, and I suddenly have this image as a writer of twenty thousand people uh, marching over a hill with twelve epi- helicopters behind them, I can't help thinking, "Gosh, shit." Um, <laughs> look, maybe if I make that five thousand people and two helicopters, you know, you can't help doing that. Yeah, um, and. And what I've learned is now I I stop my I have to stop myself doing that, and I've learned to go too far the other way. So the minute I have that thought, I double it. That's my that's how I get away. That's how I do it. So the minute I have that thought, as soon as you get scared, you flip it away. I flip it and I double it. Oh wow! So now I do twenty thousand people and twenty four helicopters. Yeah, and I leave that in the script because then I'm sure I'm not self editing. Yeah, and then when the script comes in. Then I'm having conversations with directors and producers. You're like, who's written this? Yeah, yeah, it's some newbie. This bonkers bloke has written this. Yeah. Twenty thousand people. What is he like? They must feel like they're they're earning their work. Then it's like Tony, we've noticed in your script. Yeah, <laughs> and then I do what, what everybody does in this business, which is you then negotiate yeah. you know, with yourself, with yourself. <laughs> uh, but look, you, 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 you need to. You mustn't do that. You mustn't mm. think about. Um, and you certainly shouldn't think that that's a. Uh, a toolbox that a writer should have. Um, no, you should just write. You know, write, uh, uh, write from, have some creative integrity, and don't get involved in all that nonsense of, of budgeting things as you go along. That's that's someone else's job. Where do you write? You don't write here, do you? In the office? No, that was the plan. I got. Um, I said, uh, okay, look, I'll um, I'll do. As Red Planet got bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, we moved from you know we started off in Bedford, then we went to Old Compton Street, and now we're in this ridiculous place in Warwick Street and um, and I said look okay I, have to, I can't be there I've got to write I don't know what I'm going to write so I'll be I'll come to the office kind of four days a week and I, but I may have to write because I've done that and I've only been one day writing a week which isn't mm. going to be enough uh, no chance I think I've I think the most I've written in this building is three words um and that's it. Out no. to lunch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it was, yeah. Uh, so, no, I can't. So, I've got, uh, so I have two plans now. One is if I'm kind of all right and it's not too, and I'm kind of, um, and I'm in a good place and it's not, I'm not too late, uh, then I w- I've got a shed in my back garden. So, I will, uh, I'll be in there writing. That's why I write. If I'm really up against it and I'm really late with the script, I've got a place in Spain. So I go there, lock myself in, walk around in my underpants, grow a beard. Um, no internet. No internet, no nothing until the script's finished. No one phones me, just stay out my face. This is serious, hardcore writing stuff. Great. Well, actually, well, what's difficult for you, do you find, in terms of when you're writing a script? Do you, I mean, you plan out beforehand and then you crack on with the script, but then when you're in the middle of it or you're struggling or something's not working... What do you do? Where do you go to? What kind of toolbox, mental toolbox, or otherwise, do you kind of use? Well, it's, it's tough because of the way that I write. I don't, pl- I don't block anything out. I don't plan anything. Right. So I don't do postcards. I don't do, I don't do anything. I did it a bit on EastEnders, but I don't really do anything there. So you, you, you've never, have you, you must have done a step outline in, in like in TV. No, no, no never. <laughs> wow. look, at that, look at his face, Danny. <laughs> he doesn't know, even know what you're talking about. about. No, script editors will like make you no, do your no, scene no. by scene. My, my script editors, you know, and, uh, you know uh, they are they they do step outlines. They're doing beat sheets. Yeah, they're doing scene by scenes, whatever you want to call them. They're doing those, mm-hmm. and I'm saying, okay. So t- <laughs> Tony, just to make, just to reiterate. 
you've got a script it needs doing you've pitched it yeah you've written a little outline of the show probably not Pro- but maybe to show a commissioner or no, something no probably not okay fine so you haven't even got that so you just sit down ah right you know, discovery writing is it yeah so you just like yeah. interior office yeah. I'm off see you later yeah Okay. Oh come you're, on! Oh, you're bonkers, man. <laughs> no, no, no. For TV, no. especially. I mean, that is rare, isn't it? That's yeah, it's a well, unique uh, gift. It's a unique talent, I would say. Well, d- yeah. You, well, you need you need talent anyway to be yeah. to to, to write for television because right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you need to get the gig, and you don't yeah. get a gig unless script's good. To get the yeah. script, you've got to be talent. So, I mean, I I always know to, I only need to know two things. I need to know what my first scene is. And I need to know what my last scene is. Actually, not even scene, image. I need to know what yeah. the first image is. I need right. to know what the last image is. And that, that's basically, I have my A to B. Yeah. Right? And so I will write that first sequence, that first thing, so I now know where I am. And so I'm at the end of scene one. Just as importantly, I know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And I know how long it's going to take me to get there. It's going to take me another uh, 56 pages to get to that scene. Um, so I will then instinctively, surely, you would know what what, what scene two would be. Surely, that's either yeah. a continuation of your A story, or it's the introduction of your B story. I don't know, whichever you. But choose. you haven't gone to bed and woken up the next day and gone. I knew, I knew what I was doing in scene two, but I know well, I've forgotten. No, but see, that's the well, that's 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 where mm. sometimes this falls apart. So that's how I write, and then by the time I finish scene two, instinctively. I know what scene three will be. Is it a return to pick up, go mm. back to, to to A story, or am I? Is it a continuation of B story, or am I, am I introducing the C story, or what am I doing? What do I think? And then gradually you get a sense. I get a sense of, and all the time I know where I'm going. Mm. And so every scene that I write is informed by where I'm going because if I do it that way, then that last image or that last scene has maximum impact because everything is written with that scene in mind. Yeah. So therefore, yeah. you get that kind of you get that that, that kind of buzz. Um, and then you get to a point where you kind of you, you almost become the audience because you're on now on scene 14 and you're kind of there and you go oh shit I wonder what's happening to him yeah. and you have that thought at exactly the same moment yeah, as yeah, the yeah. audience so as you if you get it right as the audience is thinking but what where did she go you go to her because that's insistently what's so is this, is this quite a quick process then where you're I mean don't take this the wrong way but you're kind of banging it out so you're kind of getting through it banging real quick it out. banging <laughs> it out Tony you're just like he types with two fingers you're just like going like a crazy person <laughs> writing like mad let's just get through it and then I'm going to go over it and over it and over it and fine tune it and make no. put more stuff in or no. whatever no, no not no. that not no. that no. Not no, that, ladies and gentlemen. He's no, laughing at me. No banging out. <laughs> no banging it out. No banging it out. My, you know, my my dream is the same as every other writer's. I want the first draft to be perfect. Right. I don't ever want to go back to that script again. Okay. Okay. So, uh, no. So not that. Not that. I try and write, I write the best script that I can do. The, the 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 thing I think that makes makes it slightly different is because I because I write that way and because I haven't got anything blocked out in that way. So so let's see. Say uh, day one, I write. 10 pages mm. so I write from page 1 to page 10 on day 2 of my writing I don't start on page 11 I start on page 1 again okay. and I rewrite those okay. first 10 oh, pages okay. That's now that can be dialogue that can be oh I could do that a bit better or it may be something that I've thought about that evening mm. oh you know that didn't really work mm. I, could, mm. I should do it that mm. way so I rewrite once 10 and so, so if I start say I start like 9 o'clock in the morning 
I do that up to lunchtime, and then first thing after lunch, I start on page 11. Okay. And I probably write now, so I've got less time, and I write page 11 to page 17. Mm. And then the next day, day three, I start on page one again, and really? I rewrite really? the first really? 10 pages. Okay. As though I was given it as a rewrite to do. Yeah. yeah. And then I rewrite, obviously, okay. the first 17 pages now. And now I'm starting it kind of two o'clock. With yeah. a fresh approach. With a fresh well. approach yeah. sometimes. Mm. And I start page 18 and mm. I'll get to page 22. Yeah. And then yeah. day four, yeah. I write, rewrite pages uh, one to 22. Now, what, forward, now what that gives you is that when I deliver a script and, uh, and my first drafts... Are pretty good. They're not far away from where we yeah, need to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, uh, and that's people telling me that. That's not yeah, me yeah, saying yeah, yeah. I'm brilliant. I'm yeah, just yeah. saying, people go like, wow, your first draft's cool. Yeah. My, your third draft's a shit, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but your first draft's good. And what they don't realise is, it's not my first draft. No, of course. You're getting drafts 10, yeah. 15. Yeah, 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 yeah I've yeah, really yeah. done this. Yeah. So yeah. my system really works. That's yeah. great. Now, I can do that because, so I can do it without blocking it out because mm. I do that process. Right, I'm with you. I'm um, with you. And to me, that's a much more thorough process than blocking everything out on spending yeah. two weeks putting things on postcards and putting it up on a cork board and doing all mm. that and fiddling about and then writing that as it is and mm. then delivering a script mm. you, that is really a first draft that's kind of notes yeah. whereas mine is kind of I'm getting ready to yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, sounds amazing so that's a really cool way and I've always worked like that and you know what it works the problem with it is that the problem is is and that's what I'm finding now as a as as a running web planet pictures is that once you interrupt that thought process mm. or interrupt that that process yeah. you're screwed yeah so you know so I'll have that this week right so I've got I'm here today in mm. Red Planet office um, and I'm here tomorrow Red Planet office and I've got three writing days Wednesday Thursday Friday I'm going to be in my shed mm. um, writing. So I'll I'll do that process. So um, so I'm I'm going back to a script that I'm on. It's a ninety minute script. I'm on page eighty four. Right. So Wednesday, I'm going to start rewriting. Yeah. And I'll probably get to page fifty. Yeah. Because I'm rewriting. Day two, I get from fifty to eighty five. Right. Might even get it up to ninety. Day three, I'm getting up to ninety. I've got far to go now, mm. but then I don't finish it by the end of Friday. Yeah. I haven't got another writing day for two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so that process of coming back to rewrite in two weeks' time mm. is going to take me yeah. twice as you long. You got to start again, almost. Especially like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so my system works as long as you get the time to mm. do it, mm. and it falls apart a little bit if you got if the gaps are too big. Mm. Um, but look, if you're but that's that, that's a particular problem to where I am in my career at the moment mm. but if you're just a writer yeah Good you should method. be writing them yeah, like that yeah, that's yeah, what, yeah. what you should do so every draft you deliver is everyone else's first draft but you know in your heart that's your 10th draft I'm loving it and it's got better and better and better sounds great and everybody you know you look like a better writer than you are yeah because mm. you spend more time on it mm. Mm. yeah what about um, what about directing Tony what about it uh, how do you feel about that I think we should definitely direct things <laughs> I think How they do should you be feel about it? How do you feel about I don't it want yourself? To, I don't want to direct. I'm a writer. No. Why is it, I, I, you know, I'm not. I'm all suspicious of directors who want to write. You know, it's like what's all that about? Mm. What's all that? Um, I, look, I don't know. I, it's not my thing. I no. work with a lot of directors, and um, and you go on set and try and have a conversation with them, and they are they're continually they're bombarded. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's like being pecked to death by a flock of pigeons. Mm. You know, it's like, whoa. Um, I'd like to do it if it was just the good stuff. Yeah. But I've seen them go through prep and stuff. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I still, never really. I might look. I might do it once just to see if it's as bad as I think it is. But I've already. I think someone asked me this the other day. Actually, it was um, like, why haven't you ever directed? Like it was a natural progression mm-hmm. from being a writer. It's like, is it really? When did that start? Well, I don't think it is. No, but but, the, but you're right also in, in your anecdote, which is the fact that a lot of people have that writer director as a kind of a, a, a the hyphen that is like but I feel that's really two so different elements of a personality you know writing so different to directing to me a writer producer is actually and a writer editor is a, is a better fit if yeah. you can have a hyphen in your title than a writer director and yet the industry expects writer directors especially more in film than in TV to be fair but you've still got like uh, Polyakov or whatever you know that's yeah. kind of that does a does a bit of both. So I'm pleased that you say that. If you see what well, I mean, I you think, know, it doesn't make sense to you. No, my th- my thing is is that you know when someone else asks, like say someone asked me the other day, you know, why um, as though it was a natural thing, why you know mm. why don't you do it? And and I said to them, um, I said, well, I already have. It's like really, I haven't seen mm. anything. So now every script I write, I've already directed it mm. because what you don't have is that I've got already got a finished piece in my head because I've got because <laughs> that's what I write. You know, mm. I don't know. I don't. Again, you never really know a bit other people's process, but I'm more like a I'm more like a reporter than a. I don't actually think of what people should say. That's a ridiculous way to make a living. But if I've created two characters, and I've created those characters properly, and they're three dimensional, and they are, and they work, and the narrative or the dynamic or whatever it is I've given them is a is a is a viable one. And I take those two characters and that dynamic or that narrative, what it is, and I put them in my head and I sit in front of a, a blank sheet of paper and I wait. And I can't do anything until they start talking. I know that sounds daft, but to me it makes me more of a reporter mm. because I, I think I physically, physically hear voices <laughs> in my head and I write down what I hear. That's what I think that's what writers do. I think if... When we're, when we're flying, you know those waves you get yeah, down again yeah, when yeah, you, yeah. you kind of suddenly wake up mm. and you've written 22 pages? Yeah. That's because you're hearing things and you, you actually can't write quick enough yeah, that's because it. you can hear that's it and you can't keep up it. with the voices. That's it. Um, and when we can't write and when we're, we've, you know, um, and we, we kind of struggling, it's because we can't hear anything and so we're thinking, well, maybe they'd say this. Mm, don't know. Or maybe they'd do that. I don't know. Because there's nothing there. So I've already directed things. And how, how does that work with something that's not an adaptation, but when you're working on Dickensian, you've got a cast of characters that are already written. Did you just read about... Did you read all of Dickens yeah. and then go, right, I've got all those characters in my mind. Now let me put them in a new situation and report using your... Using your yeah, that's exactly report, what I did. I read what they every said. Dickens book. I read every short story... No, I don't think I've, I've read a bit. Yeah. No more. You know, I think my main reference was Muppets Christmas Carol. <laughs> uh, guys, the, uh, the card, the card, <laughs> the card uh, was full because Tony's talking too long. So uh, we've had to 
quickly pause it and unpause it. You've right. cut me. You've, so, you've, sorry, you sorry edited I've, edited you, I've edited you to make you better. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. That's really kind of you. Um, uh, so we were just talking about, um, yeah, working on, working on uh, Dickens and Muppets Christmas Carol. Yes, <laughs> uh, which is my favourite Dickens adaptation. That's right. Um, well, no, the process is the same with that, which is... Um, it's not tough, you know. Look, so I think it's a really good idea. I say so myself. I, it's just a strong idea. You know, it's strong. It is. Mm. Take all those amazing characters and put them in the same place. Yeah. So, uh, so the execution to me was was kind of it wasn't easy, but it was j- kind of joyful and stressless. Basically, I've got Fagin and Scrooge in a pub having a chat. <laughs> I don't know any writer worth his salt that wouldn't want to write that yeah. because you know the beauty of that is even Charles Dickens didn't write that. No, but you you see that a lot of people would almost be intimidated by that because they'd get drawn into the minutiae of that, which was like, right, how exactly does you know Scrooge talk? Like Marley, we don't know how he talks. That's fair game. Yeah. But Scrooge, we kind of we see how his you know his type of sentence construction is. So, so people could get totally drawn into this kind of nitpicking thing and almost get paralysed by the fear of the weightiness of those characters and how well known they are. But you kind of powered through that, it seems. But I think the writers do that too much. You know, it's kind of I think writers I think they overthink. Yeah, this is what I mean. Yeah, they just kind of think. You now, what we were talking about earlier about you know. About production and should, should writers be, you know, be more uh, more knowing about production and should they write with that in mind and should there is a god dear you know we've got enough on our plates without having to worry about all that stuff. Um, and as for how you know how Scrooge and, and Peter, I, they're going they're to speak how I want them to speak. Mm. Why? Because I'm the writer, and if I want you know and if, and if I was if if I thought the br- the best idea was to do this in foreign language and make Scrooge German if that if there was a real creative reason for that then that's how we would talk mm. so you have to kind of take control of things I'm not um, and I I'm not daunted I don't I don't get daunted I don't get fearful I don't worry about stuff like that because you're getting the impression Tony you're always like that though rather than like I'm Tony Jordan now and I can do what I like oh no god yeah I've never been in different life. I was expelled from school when I was 14 right <laughs> because I was a bullshit little bastard I didn't do anything one bad thing mm. it's just that I you know I, I was stopping when they I said why a lot and when they said do this and I'd say why and they said because I'm your teacher or they'd say because I said so that mm. makes no sense to me so, so yeah I was doing that when I was 14 and uh, so yeah I don't it's not about there's, there's no what, what writers in particular I think because I think that they need to to, to to get their heads around is that there's nobody better you know there is no thing you know we are not you know we are not unworthy we are we shouldn't be you know terribly grateful because someone gives us a ch- it's like what you know the one thing that I've learned since I started Red Planet the whole production thing the whole thing the thing it's all a bit Emperor's New Clothes alright it's like it, I felt a bit like even now I feel like the wizard of the bloke behind the curtain, yeah, the wizard of yeah, Oz. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, I don't take notice of the wizard behind the curtain. It's only me. It's like, don't eat stuffing. Don't worry about that. It's all a bit like that, right? Mm-hmm. There are no six. The the, the 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 trick is is that that ev- it all begins with the word, right? Scripts, writers are the first part of the creative process that you know that we do. That's where it all begins, and that's where the the DNA of the of the of the narrative the the heart, the soul of everything is all there in that script. 
And then what, if you're lucky, you get really clever people in their own field that will come and enhance that and make it better. And, and so you get a director who will, who will um, and it will grow and it will, it, will, uh, it will just elevate it somehow. And then you get great editors and great composers and then we come together as a creative community. But we come together as a creative community as equals. Mm. Not as they're the bosses and we're somehow the fucking serfs. You know, writers are serfs and so give us, go away, do the script. Right, no, thank you, now piss off. Mm. Right, and now the grown-ups will take care of it. That's not true. That is, that's a scam that they've all created to, uh, you know, to elevate them themselves. Yeah. The bad producers have, have created that thing. You can't do it without me. A good producer is key, darling. If you know, whatever, however good the script is, without the right kind of producer. You know, who's saying that? I got a feeling it's, you know, that's a producer. But I work with a lot of producers here, and I work with good producers, and they say what I say. And I've worked with some bad ones. I've worked with bad script editors, right, who blame the writers. I work with bad producers who blame everyone else. I work with bad directors who blame the writers. It's um, no, it's not. It's, it's not like that. We are not lower in the scheme of things than anybody else. Mm. And sometimes we 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 feel like that because we get you know we get so much rejection. But mm. um, but that's just part of what we do. That's part of when you put yourself out there. Sometimes you know sometimes you have to deal with that. But I've look if it helps. I've got uh, I've got a whole drawer of my filing cabinet in my shed in my office that's full of rejection letters. I've got rejection letters for Life on Mars from every single uh, BBC network. I've got rejection letters for Moving Wallpaper. I've got rejection letters for every show that I've ever done. Um, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Not everything is everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Not everything, and everybody assumes that I. I, I create a show or I have an idea and I go to nick round to the BBC which is like half a mile up that way and it gets green lit it's not I get you know on a yearly basis I must have six shows turned down mm. so it's just you don't hear about those you only hear course, about the ones that get made of course of course well we've been negotiating that a little bit ourselves we've been stepping into the writing producing writing directing mould and we were having a talk about uh, TV projects and developing our own TV pro- projects as producers and then we were like we've kind of discounted it for the year almost because we're thinking well if we're Tony Jordan we have to be doing this all the time and really pursuing it because it's not like about having one idea that might hit it's probably about having a half a dozen at least um, so it's like do you find any pressure with that or do you just think it's an ongoing part well it's not really I mean you, you know you guys are in a great you're in a great place because it's for you, you know, I'm guessing, I mean, I don't know the exact circumstances, but I'm guessing that it can just be one project. Mm. Why don't you just get a project? Why don't you just do that? Yeah. Just do it. And if it's a success, then do another one. And then it may be that you're, you know, you're doing two next time or you're doing three next time. But you, there's no reason. You don't have to, you know. It's kind of, you can open up a market store. You don't have to suddenly be M&S, you know. Don't yeah, have to think, yeah, well, God, yeah, yeah. no, we could do this properly. Yeah. We have to buy 2,000 well, premises. That's, I mean, just without it going down into more about us, which everyone will be sick of hearing about on this thing. But of, that's, in a way, what we did, Tony, because we made a, you know, made a low-budget film, because that was something we could do. We didn't need to get that commission by TV. We could just go make it yeah. and then sell it. And so we had a good time doing that. We learned a lot. Um, just fun to do, you know, enjoyable in a creative way and in a business way. And so our aim now is to just carry on and do more of the same. Try and make make each one a little bit better, a little bit yeah. bigger, a little bit bolder. 
um, and if you know, inspired by yourself in a way, which is just to kind of not be pushed around, but be the be the masters of our own destiny. I mean, yeah. if we think we're a couple of okay writers, let's put our money where our mouth is. Yeah. You know, we're not shy of that. So uh, that's what we've tried to do. But that's the thing, and it's not about you know, that's about being. Um, you know, you must do what you expect everybody else to do. That's the that's the key. What you as writers expect everybody else to be like now, you expect them to be collaborative, to be to, to be inclusive, to be all those things. You must now be those things. Yeah. You cannot be, um, you know, well, we, we writers, we think the script's brilliant and this is, we're going to do it. I don't care what anyone says, you know, you have to, mm. you have to do, you can't change. It's a bit like why Red Planet still does a writing competition. It's why we still read unsolicited material when we can. Mm. It's all those, the reason we do all that is that, you know, you can't, you can't, Kind of climb the ladder and get through the trapdoor and then shut it after you. You have to, you have to change things. Yeah. Yeah. You, have to, you have to do things. But the pressure only comes. No, I had no pressure when I started Red Planet. You know, Danny, you were saying like you know, I, I talked to you probably right at the very beginning of Red Planet, um, and it was no, I had no pressure then at all. I had nothing. I was making. I had plans to make a show. Uh, now I've got pressure because I've got twenty people working for me. Mm, mm. I've got you know I've got this place. We're running kind of we've got five shows. Either we're shooting or in pre-production. You know, that's a lot of people. Mm. Uh, so now there's pressure, but um, but there wasn't at the time, and you shouldn't feel any of that now. It yeah, should be, good. And no, most no, of what no, I do, we don't. We don't. We're <coughs> enjoying it while we can. If you see what you I mean. <laughs> there's a certain naivety that, yeah. that we embrace. Yeah, but that's but that's a good thing. You should do most of what I do here at Red Planet on a on a on a, on a daily basis. On the days that I'm in, is try to to just get everybody to just relax. No pressure on them. Just do your thing, you know. Mm. Just do your thing. It's cool. Mm. Just go, be creative, little fairies. Do your thing. Let's make something great. Right. Let's yeah. make good TV. Let's do it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about figures. Don't worry about money. That's all. My, I'll worry about that. Mm. You just go do your thing. And that's that thing about about surrounding yourself with good people again. Yeah, good. And the other thing about good people, and you find this as you as you kind of step up. I run Red Planet Pictures on multiple choice. That's how I work. That's how right. I run the whole the whole. What industry. do you mean? What do you mean, Danny? Um, I'm surrounded by brilliant people so I've got Br- oh, I Belinda Campbell's a brilliant head of drama right. I've got Alex right. Jones brilliant head of business Alex Pothero brilliant head of production um, Julie Gissing brilliant head of finance and they just come and you know there's a problem of the day and it's like okay so what, what are the choices well you yeah. could do this the A, B or C okay what would you do well I'd probably do A I got it okay well it's fine let's do that then bye <laughs> That's how I run my planet. I think he could be a good director. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's how it works if you've got good people. Um, you can't do it if you've got shit people, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good. Let's let's wrap it up. Then, let's let's end with a very quick big up to the Red Planet Prize. Yeah, really, which we, we were hoping to do this well in time for the deadline, which is this Friday as we speak. But we probably will try and get it up before. Try and get it up for then. Uh, but it's now in its ninth year. I know oh, it's amazing. Uh, but it's what I love is that it's you know you've proven that, like the genuine commitment to new writing yeah. and new writers to help them kind of get their foot in the door and then to keep on going really yeah well, I mean, look Red Planet Prize isn't the only thing we do we um, you know we we actively seek out new writers uh, our development team we're always looking for for new writers that are coming through um, we do it's, it's tough you know it's tough uh, because there aren't enough places doing it it's kind of really, you know. So I'd love to be doing shadow schemes, and mm. I'd love, you know, I'd love to do Red Planet Academy for writers. I'd love to do that, but you can't do these things all on your own because it's very time-consuming. We had um, uh, we had an open door policy on scripts up until about three months ago, six months ago, and the problem is you 
you just end up pissing people off. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm the only one with an open door policy. Yeah. I'm the only one, you know, I was the only one that if you don't need an agent, you don't need anything, mm. just send the script, we'll read it. But then I've got, you know, I've, I've got like 12 readers, I've got six developed script editors, I've got all these, I've got all these people reading the scripts, but I'm getting three and a half thousand in. Mm. And I can't get through them. And so I've got somebody giving me a script in January and I'm not getting to it till the next January. And in the summer, they're saying, well, you, you, you're shit. And I'm going, well, I'm sorry, mate. I'm yeah, doing my best. Doing best yeah. So it's tough, you know. But we, um, as a company, we are completely committed and will always be so while I'm here to um, being a natural creative home for, for writers, be they new or otherwise. Good, good, Brilliant. good, good. So... Yeah, that's it then. Thank you so much for your time, Tony. Pleasure. And, Good to talk to you. Um, we're the UK script writers. Yeah, so just you know ra- us. Yeah, you know us, you know Tony. <laughs> but uh, if you're listening to this randomly, then find us uh, on ukscriptwriters.podomatic.com. Find us on iTunes, search for it there. Find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook, all your normal places. Uh, and we'll be back with um, more scriptwriting insights in the future. See you later. See ya. See ya, mate.